Welcome, and thanks for listening to this message from City Bridge Community Church. Our heart at City Bridge is to call all people to be fully devoted followers of Christ. To learn more about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. Now, here's the message. If you've been with us, you know we are in Ephesians, and we are in Ephesians 4 this morning. And I'm excited to get to be with you in this way for really the first time in the Ephesians series. But you need to know something. I hope we've been in Ephesians together all along, right? Because I, hopefully like you, have been dwelling richly in Ephesians throughout each week uh, just in the word of God. And just this reminder, I want us to just know this as a body. The best teacher of Ephesians here at City Bridge Community Church is not Derek. It's not Kyle. It's not me. It's not David or Rob, the best teacher of Ephesians or any other book of the Bible, is the Spirit of God using the Word of God to instruct our heart. One of the reasons why we do what we do is Scripture says, don't neglect the public proclamation of my Word, God's Word. And when we do this, the point of it is, as it says in Peter, that we are to stir up one another by way of reminder, not uh, just as a This is the buffet. This is your soul nourishment. No, the goal is that you've been in God's word daily. And this moment is a chance for us to remind ourselves of the truth, not be the sole source of that nourishment. And so welcome to Ephesians 4. One of the things I've done each week, each week I've done this as we've been reading in Ephesians is I've read Acts 19 and 20 in preparation of each message. Acts 19 and 20 is when Paul is boots on the ground in Ephesus. And it's instructed my heart every time, uh, every time with the theme of that message of just going, hey, this was a guy that spent years in Ephesus. He spent time with the people, poured out, spoke boldly with, uh, you'll read in Acts 19 and 20, he spoke boldly with the people and he walked through trials with the people. And so it's instructed my heart each and every time what Paul says to this group of people he's been hanging out with and what he doesn't say how he says it, and how he doesn't say it. It's instructing my heart. So we've got four or five weeks left. Jump in with me. Use Acts 19 and 20 as kind of a foundation for how you continue to study the passage of Ephesians. Let me just show you how that was nourishing to me this week because, uh, again, Paul had been in Ephesus for a little while, and it says in verse 23 of Acts 19 that about that time that Paul had been in Ephesus for a little bit, there arose no little disturbance concerning the way. I'm convinced this is where Star Wars got the line of no disturbance in the force, right? And uh, this is where Obi-Wan was drawing truth, but this is what was happening in Ephesus. There was a disturbance uh, among believers in the town because there was a man named, as scripture says, Demetrius, who was a silversmith, and he made gods with human hands. And uh, he kind of noticed what was happening in the town, and he kind of rallied the people and some of his fellow idol makers and said, hey, guys, if Paul has his way, if his God keeps doing what his God is doing in our town, we're going to be out of job, and this town's going to look a whole lot different. And he riled up the people. In fact, riled them up into a rioting crowd. Uh, See if that doesn't sound familiar to these days. And it says in verse 28, when they heard this news from Demetrius, they were enraged and began crying out about their God and God's. And so the city was filled with confusion and they rushed together into the theater and they dragged out Gaius and Aristarchus, people that were traveling with Paul. It was getting ugly in Ephesus. 
And, uh, and as Paul, that, oddly enough, the, the, the grace of God, a town clerk kind of comes in, settles it down. And then a, a little bit later, Paul's going to give one last parting message to the Ephesians. And it's so instructive to my heart. Because Paul, I mean, literally, just the next page over in my Bible, a little bit later, as Paul's saying bye to the people at Ephesus, he's going to give them one command. And you would think he would be like, and oh, hey, by the way, guys, watch out for Demetrius. That guy's crazy, right? And you would think, or he'd go, hey, the, the riding crowds, they're not going to like us. They're not going to like what we do. Pay attention to them. Be on guard. He doesn't give that instruction. The one instruction he gives in Acts 20 as his goodbye speech to the Ephesians in verse 28 is say, no, you pay close attention to yourselves. No mention of Demetrius, no, dimension, no mention of the rioting crowds. He's like, no, you gotta pay attention to yourselves because this and this for you and for the church, that's where the danger lies, not in some of these external forces. Paul's just kind of got this idea from, from Jesus that just was this reminder, a little bit of yeast can spoil the whole, whole dough, whether that's individually or even collectively as a church. This thing, and you heard Kyle announcement, this thing can be fragile and tenuous because the human heart is fragile and tenuous. Our minds are easily swayed. And this idea that we're gonna look at this morning in Ephesians 4, it's just this pattern, it's this reminder that, uh, that, that Paul's aware of that basically is just going, man, a thought is something as small as a thought can lead to an action, that can, when once repeated, turn into a habit. And before long, you repeat that enough and it changes your character, for good or for worse, one way or the other. But once you get kind of in that cycle, you can go up, you can go down, but it just starts to feed itself. And as we look at Ephesians 4, verses 17 through 32, I think we're gonna see the three uh, roads that we're all walking on in here because I think there's only three. And, and the roads that each of us are on, one, that, one of the roads that we're all on is either a path of progressive corruption, either a path of progressive backsliding, that's for the believer that is not living as God intends, or the path of progressive sanctification. And there's only one of those roads you want to be on. The other two today I want to look at is how we get unstuck if that's the road that we're on. And I want you to know, I am a sympathetic traveler. I've been on all three of those roads. And uh, as we dive into them, uh, let's, I just want us to start to highlight what it is, it, what does it mean to be on that road and how can we get unstuck if it's one of the first two roads so that we don't miss out on the abundant life that God intends for us. So turn with me to Ephesians 4. Uh, verse 17, and uh, just a quick recap of where we were last week, right? Derek um, did such a good job just as, as, as Paul moves into now the application. What do we do with all this incredible knowledge that we have about Christ? It says we got to walk in a manner worthy of it. Walk in a manner worthy of what we've been called. And his first admonitions are you watch out for unity here and you use your gifts. And then Paul is then going to move towards the thing that if that will undo unity quickly or will limit how you use your giftedness. And that is the need for holiness and that Christ followers are supposed to walk in a holy manner. 
And that's where Paul knows, because he knows that a little bit of yeast, a little bit of unholiness will begin to produce problems. And so verse 17, pick it up with me here. It says, now this I say, Paul writing, I testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do or as unbelievers do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding. They're alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. You're going to see here, a thought can lead to an action that can produce a habit, and then it will change your character. Look closer with me. At the end of verse 17, it's going to highlight the futility of their minds. See, it's going to start with thought or maybe lack thereof. Futility of their minds, darkened in their understanding, and it's ignorance that is in them. A thought, lack of thought, thoughts, lack of thoughts that begin to start a chain reaction. It then leads to the action, which is a separation from God. Look at it in verse 18 that says, alienated from the life of God because of that ignorance. A thought has led to an action. Ignorance has led to separation which then moves to the habit of hardness of heart. Here it says they become callous. And then what does that lead to from a character standpoint? It leads to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. This greedy is not a financial greedy. It's, a, it's an emphasis of without moderation. So just as they stay stuck in the cycle, they want more and more and more of that impurity, whatever it is. And we all know in this room, there's a thousand different types of, types of impurity. Some of it might make the front page of a paper and some of it's really subtle, but all of it's destructive. And it all leads to the same place, which is death. The way of sin is downhill and it's not easy for a man to stop it. And you all, we know this, right? We've all seen this. I'm not sharing anything that's an aha in this moment because we've seen it in the lives of our family members, maybe at times, or maybe some neighbors or colleagues, we've seen this play out. This cycle just keep repeating itself. Thought leads to an action, leads to a habit that changes our character, which then informs our thoughts. And then action, habit, character, and the cycle continues. We've seen this play out multiple times. And many of us have no one person to look further than just ourselves. We've seen this before, even in us. I've been on this path. As a 13-year-old, I was insecure. I was uh, addicted to people-pleasing, trying to earn favor with man. No concept of of the gospel. Definitely no understanding of who Jesus was and the importance he was in my life. And, uh, And at this age, my parents were in the midst of a really ugly separation. And so I was lost, and I started to spin further and further out of control. By the grace of God, I... Um, showed up at a church one day and a couple youth workers, Ken and April Brown, I, I, I don't even know where they are today. They just kind of took me under their wings, so to speak. And uh, they didn't try to change any of my circumstances. I, they wouldn't have been able to. They didn't try to modify my behavior. That's not what they were interested in. All that they kept doing with me week after week, month after month was preaching the gospel to me. Little did I know sharing Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 to my little performance-focused heart, going, it's by grace you've been saved, Jeff. It's by grace anyone is saved, Jeff. It's not by works. 
You can't earn your favor with God. He's, he's better than anything you can imagine because you're trying to earn favor and favor and favor over here. This God already loves you and he desires a relationship with you. And so after months of walking with them at a Dawson McAllister conference, that name ring a bell to anyone? Scott Proctor, the worship leader, just, that, that may be a little more obscure, but at that conference in Fort Worth, Texas, many years ago as a 13-year-old, after all that truth, thoughts, they kept feeding me and reminding me of it, it produced an action, which is I'm ready, Lord. It changed my course. And I don't want you to miss that, right? And so if, if you're in, not a believer in here today, we're so glad you're here. Thank you for entrusting this morning to us. We're not here to behaviorally modify you. We're not here to try to get you out of a certain circumstance. All that we want you to do is, is to continue to seek truth. We think that's your most faithful next step, which is to continue to consider and seek truth. Scripture would say the most noble thing you could do is to listen to even what I'm saying right now and then go examine it for yourself in God's word. Don't take my word for it. Go back to the eternal source of wisdom and see what you have. This is the way that you get unstuck out of this path is by seeking truth, thoughts, and let's see what actions follow. We're not interested. That's okay. Whatever actions you're stuck in or whatever we want to Focus on the truth that you're informing your heart with. And one of the things I say here is if you don't know where to go to seek truth, what I ask people, encourage people all the time, if you don't know where to start, start with the Gospel of John and find someone in our body. You can find me, find others that are down here or in the back at the end of services and just go, will you walk through John with me? Whatever, and we'll be glad to answer whatever questions you have because I don't want you to miss it. I remember the night that after I had uh, professed Christ in Fort Worth, uh, the, the people that I was with, we just went out and we just celebrated my new life in Christ. And it was some of the, and they were just catching me up on some of the wealth that I had in Christ based on where we've been in Ephesians. We literally were looking at these verses going, Jeff, do you know you now have redemption through his blood? Your trespasses have been forgiven. You have access to the riches of his grace, which he lavishes on you. It just goes, no more guilt, Jeff, no more shame. You don't have to perform. And it was the sweetest night. And we even just celebrated that, that as scripture says, that there was a party going on in heaven too because one, me, had been rescued. And marveled at that. You're like, you kidding me? I don't want y'all to miss that. It's the path of progressive corruption and the way to get unstuck is seek truth. Please seek truth. We would love to come alongside you. No amount of scrutiny affects the truth. Fire away with your questions. Let's pick it back up, verse 20. And verse 20 is gonna kind of allude to verse 17, just where it started that you, you Ephesian, must no longer walk. You, believer, must no longer walk as, as unbelievers do. And the insinuation here is it's possible as a believer to not walk as we ought. And so it's saying, but this is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as in the truth that is in Jesus. And, and this, this thing that, that, that Paul's alluding to is this idea that, that believers sometimes walk like non-believers. And it must not be so. And biblically, the idea is, is it's called backsliding. And, and, and the, there's, a, there's a progression to that too. 
there's a progression of backsliding. And again, it starts with a thought that leads to an action that produces a habit that begins to change our character. This kind of idea is in a lot of different places in Scripture. Paul's alluding to it here. But if you look in James 1, verses 14 and 15, this is where uh, James unpacks it. But he says, each person is tempted. Being tempted is not the sin. But then watch what happens. But then when he is lured and enticed by it, his own desire kicks in. And then this desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Watch it play out. I'll go back to it. Each person is tempted when he is lured. The thought kicks in. We entertain the sin, or we entertain the temptation. And then enticed by it, by his own desire, it moves from a thought now, it is taken root into our heart. And then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, when it becomes a habit, brings forth death in our character. And then if you could just hit repeat on all of that. right? When death in your character happens, it begins to inform your thoughts changes actions again, and your habits get deeper and deeper, and it's the path of progressive backsliding. And I've been on this path, unfortunately. For much of my life, for much of my time following Jesus, I was on this life, on this path. Quick recap, we won't get in all of it today, but I want to use it just as a baseline. Some of you know, but just for in case for some of you don't know, I got stuck in backsliding because through gambling, beginning in 2008. And in that time, I, as I was addicted to that, I began to steal money from the company I was at, and not just a little bit, but six figures worth of money over a seven-year period, seven years of backsliding. And I get asked a lot of questions about it. And if you have more questions about it, you can go to citybridgechurch.org and find me. I unpack that story in, a lot, in some other places. If that's not enough information for you, I get it. You can go look elsewhere, find more. But it's interesting, people ask me all sorts of questions about those seven years, all sorts of questions, curious about many of the days, but I've yet to have one person that I can recall ask me about the first day. I was in Vegas selling my, celebrating my 30th birthday party. You can already tell this isn't the great start of a great story. It usually isn't. And uh, I had been managing gambling in my life in my 20s and just kind of white-knuckling it. And uh, some buddies and I, my wife was aware of this, and we, there was some caution around going, but we decided, look, it'll be fun to hang with my friends. And so I grabbed just three or $400, and we just decided, look, if, if we lose it, if I lose it, it'll be entertainment money, and uh, we'll just count it as that, and it's about spending time with my buddies anyway. And um, and so about two days in, we still had one day left. I was down to just $50. In fact, I was, it was, we were sitting at dinner and that was going to be almost just enough to cover my dinner. And when it came time to pay, um, the, the waiter put, uh, the thing you put your credit card in, whatever that's called, and, uh, put it right to the right of me, to the person to the right of me. Now, I didn't have my debit, I didn't have my personal debit card at home. I had decided ahead of time with my wife we were going to leave that at home so that I couldn't have access to any more money. 
sets down to the right, and then it goes counterclockwise around a table of 12 guys. And all of a sudden, there was a temptation that bubbled up into my brain. And the, brain, and the temptation was, hey, your personal debit card's at home, but your work credit card is with you. And I didn't take that thought captive. I began to entertain it. And as I watched all my buddies just put cash into that, the thought was, well, if you want to keep gambling, Jeff, you put the work credit card down and take the cash. And as that went around the table, that temptation did eventually turn into sin here. I was being lured. And then when it came time to drop my credit card in, I took the action. And the habit began to be formed in me that I was gonna that I was lying and deceiving. And so even on the plane ride home, I kind of played out the same thing. I just was like, I can't believe I've just done what I've done. And the thought thought that in my brain was, look, pay it back, act like it never happened, and move on. That's exactly what I did. But the problem was thoughts were leading to actions, and the habit that was being produced in me was one of deceit. And one of lying and my character was compromised. And so when time came for other money crunches that would happen just a couple months later, I fell prey to thoughts and actions really quickly. And if you want to know how you ever get to six figures worth of stolen money from a company, well, just know that it starts with a couple hundred. That's how backsliding begins. Scripture, or uh, J.C. Ryle, one of my favorite authors, says, every fresh act of sin lessens fear and remorse, and it hardens our heart. It blunts the edge of our conscience and increases our evil inclination. Every fresh act of sin, no matter how small, makes the next sin easier and easier and easier. Before too long, you're in a place you never thought you would be. And look, I'm gonna assume in this room that gambling and stealing isn't a part of your story. It may be. But this isn't a story. This isn't a message on gambling and stealing. This is a picture of what sin does to the human heart and how it takes us that direction. And so I don't know what your sin is, but I know that there can be a lot in here. A lot of times for men, pornography and passivity start as thoughts, right? And it's tenuous and it's fragile and it can turn into character before long. Just a few seconds of looking at something you shouldn't and being lured by it and then you look up and you just don't know, you just don't control where that ends up taking you. And then passivity for men can be an issue, right? Where you just go, ah, you know what? I'll just, I'll do that tomorrow. The thought is I'll do that tomorrow and you take, you, you lean on that action, whatever it may be. And passivity can be just as destructive. It's like tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. The enemy loves tomorrow. The enemy doesn't care how faithful you want to be tomorrow. He doesn't care what type of resolutions you've made as long as they're tomorrow. Because if he keeps you in this place, thoughts, actions, your character has already been compromised and you don't know it. As when I was talking to Meg, she said, hey, don't, don't, don't forget to, to challenge the women, right? That self-image or anxiety that creeps up starts with thoughts a lot of times. It can even just be as simple as just Facebook or Instagram scrolling, right? And you see something and you begin to compare. It's like, oh, I wish my life was like that. Or man, th that's how they do it. And this comparison creeps up. And then all of a sudden, self-image begins to rule you or anxiety over what you have or what you don't have or what's bubbling up in your life and is not in someone else's life begins to rule 
And that's how backsliding can take place. If you want to know how to get unstuck, there is one faithful next step to get off the path of progressive backsliding, no matter what you're stuck in, and that's to confess. Proverbs 28, 13 says, he who conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes will find mercy, will find forgiveness. And James later says, the, who you confess to is not just privately in your own room. No, you confess to another human being, it says in James 5, 16. Don't hide it. You need others to come alongside you and walk along with you. So you confess to another person. Others need to know what battle you are in. Others need to know what wounds you have so that they can help you in your journey. Don't try to white knuckle it. Get it in the light. It's your one next faithful step if you're stuck on this road. And I don't want you to miss this because Christ has life and life abundant waiting for us. I wasted so many years, seven to be exact, seven years thinking confession would be the end of my life. Little did I know confession would be the beginning of it. I thought it would be my undoing to let people know what I had done. And it was the very means that God would then use to begin to rebuild me in Christ. Don't hold on to sin. It will send you spiraling. And I don't want you to miss that. That's how you get off this path and on to the path of progressive sanctification. And as we, as we sit on this path, path three, I, I want you to just keep running through your brain and ask yourself, is this the path I'm on? Is this the path I'm on? Because if you're not on this path, it means you're on one of the other two, okay? There's only three. And this path starts with what we are doing in our thoughts. Look at verse 21 again. Assuming that you have heard about him. How does faith come, right? It comes through hearing. How does, how does progressing uh, through uh, uh, pursuing Christ, right? It's hearing the truth and then responding accordingly to it. And how you were taught in him as is the truth is in Jesus, right? truth up here in our brain and then what do you do you put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and then you're renewed in the spirit of your mind and you put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness right verse 21 is the thought verse 22 you put off the old self you repent the idea here is Right, as you take an action, it, it, it's repentance is really just agreeing with God. It's changing your mind about your old way of life and agreeing with the way that God says. And in doing so, you begin to take action and renounce the ways of the flesh and its desires. And then watch what happens. And then your renewed habit begins to form. And here's the best part of that renewal is this, it, it, it's a passive verb here, which is the idea is that God begins to get to work. Once you begin to agree with God about his way of living, he begins to get and begins to do the work in you, right? You get out of the way and God gets to work. That's the action that begins to take place. You put on the new self and created after the likeness of God, what happens character-wise, righteousness and holiness begins to set in. And as 2 Corinthians 5, 17 talks about is just the old becomes made entirely new. Just be clear, I didn't, I need just a little bit of modification. I had a lot more wrong with me than just some, some bad behavior. This gambler 
needed more than just a little tweaking. I needed to be made new. I get asked a lot of questions about why you confessed. and The, 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 the most common question I get asked was, you, were you about to get caught? No. I was at a Tony Robbins event in 2015. Look, if you're looking for God, don't go to a Tony Robbins event. Yeah, you know? I mean, I wasn't at the one where they firewalked or whatever. I was at a business mastery event. But if, again, if you're looking for God, don't go to a Tony Robbins event. But interestingly enough, I was there for four or five days and Tony partnered with, he had several other people get up on stage, two of which were believers. And uh, the last night of the conference, I was there and uh, a 65-year-old uh, cowboy accountant from Texas takes the stage. And uh, you won't believe me, but he talked about accounting in a way that was very compelling, right? You don't believe me, and that's okay, but in a room of 1,500 people for an hour, we were locked in on that guy. And I mean, literally, it's, he's still talking accounting. It was debits, it was credits, it was balance sheets and income statements, and the room was locked in. And as a former accountant, I was locked in. I was like, golly, this is, thank you. This is amazing. I mean, he's just up there talking. And then about an hour in, he just stops. And he said, 25 years ago, I was a shell of the man God intended me to be. And I'm like, what happened to the accounting talk? Hold on a second. So my wife was filing for divorce. There was going to be no custody battle because I knew who the kids wanted to go with. I even knew who would be best for the kids to go with. I was stuck backsliding because of alcohol. And he said, I was so ashamed of myself and my behavior, I couldn't even look myself in the mirror. I was a shell of the man that God intended this guy sharing. And he goes, I, I, I literally thought I was, I was living, it was like hell on earth. And he goes, but then I had one more thought. And, and then he was like, no, that would be hell on earth. Room is like locked in. He goes, he said, hell on earth, I think, in that moment would have been to meet the person Christ intended me to be and then never moving in that direction. And he goes, from that moment on, and little did I know, he was quoting Ephesians 4. With Christ's help, I took off the old self and I put on something entirely new. And then he got a big grin on his face <laughs> and just said, and man, what I would have missed. And then just like that, I kid you not, back to accounting. <laughs> just debits and credits. And I'm like, oh, what? Or what just happened? If you're looking for God, don't go to a Tony Robbins event. But if God's looking for you, it doesn't matter if you're at a Tony Robbins event. He'll come find you, track you down. Yeah. That night I went back to my room and I just began writing down who I was, the old man, and who I wanted to be, the new man. Just a list. Just kept brewing longer. I had my Bible open. It just was like, Lord, I don't know even this is possible, but I want to be an Ephesians 5 husband. I, I, I want to be a Psalm 127 dad who's 
faithfully pointing my children in the right direction. I want to be a Second Timothy 2 workman that can accurately handle this book. I want to be a Psalm 1 tree one day for people in need. I want, if you'll restore the joy of my salvation, Lord, one day, Lord, maybe you could use me to help teach others. And I just wrote the list down and it got 30 deep. And I remember just at one point just being so overwhelmed, I just wanted to crumple up the sheet and throw it away. It's like, God, how am I ever going to be this? How is my character ever going to be that? And the Lord in his kindness was, I'm not asking you to be this right now. What I'm asking you to do is to confess. That was the thought in my head. Just take that action, Jeff. That's the one thing I'm asking you to do right now. Don't worry about steps two through a thousand. Get it in the light. That thought led to an action and changed the trajectory I was on. Little did I know I began a new path that day, this path of progressive sanctification. I wasn't saved. I wasn't further saved. I just began to walk in the manner that the Lord called me as a 13-year-old. And so let me tell you just with a few years on this path how you stay stuck on this path because this is the path you want to stay stuck on. And this isn't a comprehensive list, but let me just give you five things that have been helpful for me. The first is confess sin at the seed level, at the thought level, when something enters up here or maybe it begins to root deeply in your heart, shine a light on it then. The progressing backsliding believer hates when sin is finally exposed the faithful follower of Christ hates when it's first planted and so he gets light on it so it can get uprooted, confess it. I've gone to community group multiple times and go, I'm not even sure if this is sin, but here it is and immediately the power of it dissipates. Second, always know your next faithful step because you have one. You always have a next faithful step and if you're not sure what it is, ask community group, ask others just go, where do I need to grow? What thoughts am I entertaining that I need to uproot? Or what actions, what habits are forming in my life? What, what character do I need to grow in? Ask others. There's always the next faithful step. The easiest way to get stuck is when you stop taking steps. By definition, you'll get stuck on the wrong journey. Number three, dwell richly in God's word, right? This is our application almost every week. You were probably wondering when it'd pop up. Here it is. Dwell richly in God's word. We talked about this. Just play some offense, right? It gets exhausting to take every, cap, every thought captive, doesn't it? Especially when you're not nourishing your thoughts with truth and you're just trying to fight with limited resources. Go play some offense. Dwell richly in the truth of God. Remind yourself the wealth that we have in Ephesians 1 through 3. And it begins to help you typically not even face as many difficult thoughts, but even when those thoughts come, it becomes that much easier to take them captive. Number four, don't grow weary. I've wanted to quit a thousand times each time and just tell other people, will you help me? I'm growing weary. And one thing I shared this morning and earlier, I'll share it here. I don't know if it'll be up on the screen, but but take responsibility for your sin. You want to learn to hate sin? Go look people in the eyes and seek forgiveness. 
and see the hurt that it produces in them. And oh, by the way, you want to fall deeper in love with the lavishing grace and forgiveness of Christ? Go look people in the eye and seek forgiveness. It will be such a tremendous blessing for you. If I can just meddle with the men for a second. Y'all like that? If, especially husbands, if, if, if your marriage isn't where you want it to be or where it should be, if you feel like there's a problem with unity in your marriage, most of the time it's highly likely men, husbands, that it's because you're trying to manage sin or because you're not willing to take ownership of it. And so get it in the light. Take responsibility for it. And let's see what happens in your marriage. Question, are you on this path? Paul's gonna give a little quiz here. It's just a little look into the mirror with verses 25 through 32. We don't have a lot of time. This could easily be a whole message. But we don't got that. So we'll move through that. And this isn't a comprehensive list, but just Grade yourself. How am I doing in this? And by the way, I'm not crushing all five of these. There's a couple that I've got work on. But let's look. Verse 25, therefore, after all of this, right, if you've put on the new self, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Are you one who speaks honestly? Or do you live in half-truths, lies, maybe even partial confessions? How are you doing in that area? It may be a sign that you're not on the path that you think. Verse 26, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Does self-control, which is a fruit of the spirit, it's a fruit of walking on this path, does that mark your life? Are you slow to speak? Are you quick to listen? Or are you quick to disparage and tear down or poke at? It's a good question to ask. Verse 28, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. And that verse means maybe something to me that it doesn't mean for you, but the idea is are you giving your life away in serving Christ or is life all about you and your glory? Don't steal what rightly belongs to God. You do the honest work of walking in a manner worthy of the calling which you've been called so that you have something to share with them. Point them to Christ. How are you doing at that? Verse 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Do you edify others? Do you build up the body of Christ or are you looking to tear down? Verse 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Are you holding on to bitterness or are you modeling Christ's forgiveness? And I love it. Do, remember, as God in Christ forgave you, it's that picture back in verse 20 of that's not the way you learned Christ. When we learned Christ, it was because of his forgiveness towards us. And it was in that moment, one of the reasons why many of us felt so deep in love with Jesus is he knew us fully 
and still came for us. And so we too are supposed to do that for others, forgiving those when we hear of what they have done. We model Christ's forgiveness. And so how are you doing on this path? Are you on this path? It is the path you want to be on because I don't want you to miss it. Because here's the deal. Just as I prepared for this message, I I just kept thinking, oh my gosh, what would I have missed? What would I have missed? And I couldn't even capture it in all the time, but I, I mean, I would have missed the most incredible expression of forgiveness that any human could extend me by just watching as I finally shed my sin and finally confessed it to my wife. I watched her forgive me and it, it's changed my trajectory. Christ's forgiveness in her has changed me. Same with my friend who I'd been stealing money from. It changed and I would have missed it. I would have missed walking deep, deeply with Jesus. And man, I I didn't even know it was possible. It's possible. It is possible. And I want you to know. And I would have missed it. I've been restored as to my role of a father of five. And it has been such a sweet role to be able to love and care for them. Not perfectly, but without just the enemy kind of haunting me and trying to remind me of all my failures. He's got nothing to accuse me with. And it's just sweet the way I get to spend time with my kids now. And I've got to sit and listen and, and watch and remind myself, literally, a, like probably a thousand people. And you may not believe me, but I, in the last six and a half years, I've listened to 325 regen testimonies of what the Lord has done to people. And it is amazing. I sit here every Tuesday night and I'm just going, oh my gosh, I would have missed that one too. I've heard 115 re-engaged testimonies of what, how God has transformed marriages. And it boggles my mind. And then I've walked with countless other men and women in different situations. And I've just watched God get to work. And I would have missed all of it. God in his kindness has invited me into the privilege of walking for him. God's going to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. Doesn't need me. But he invites us in. And man, what I would have missed. And I don't want you to miss it. Pay close attention to yourselves. You have no idea the domino that your life might be for, you, for yourself, for your family, and for maybe thousands of others. And I don't want you to miss it. It's an incredible journey. And I invite you on it. Ephesians 4. Man, walk in a manner worthy of what you've been called and it leads to righteousness and holiness unlike you can imagine. Thanks for listening. We pray this message encourages you on your journey with Jesus. If you found this message helpful, feel free to share it with others and leave us a review. To learn about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. You can also follow us on social at citybridgecc. See you next time.